Welcome to Coos's Corner, a platform for passionate, unscripted discussions with my guests to entertain and inspire you. Let's get into this episode. Coos's Corner. Here we are with Christian Gray and Zach Secord. And I want to ask you guys, are people just done with quarantine? Like, are people tired of hearing about it? 100%. For well, sure. For sure. It's silly when people ask you, like, oh, what's up, man? What have you been up to if you bump into somebody? It's like, nothing. Yeah, same as you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the people that you don't know that well, it's kind of actually sometimes harder to talk to. Because yeah. there's nothing to talk about unless you actually start talking about something personal. Yeah. I don't know. It's very true. Yeah. I feel like even just being at work, like, you get, get into work and everyone's just like, oh, like, what'd you do this weekend? Absolutely nothing. Like, <laughs> I can't leave my house. Like, and you just have no conversation in the workplace because everyone, normally you just talk about what you do on the weekend. Yeah. And now no one's doing anything. So what do you talk to people about? Yeah. With people working from home now, is the social aspect of the workplace going to go away? Dude, we're fucked. It's gonna be so different. Like you're already noticing it. Like a lot of these companies now are gonna be getting rid of their brick and mortar. You know, they're just gonna be all at home based because people are still getting their work done. But you're just not gonna have that human interaction anymore with your coworkers. Maybe there's just more social events that the workplace organizes. Yeah, we'll see. I guess That's in the true. next coming bit. I'm I'm curious about what'll happen with commercial real estate if all of a sudden major corporations companies that occupy buildings downtown if they have to or if they start having their workforce mm-hmm. like the amount of people that come in they require half the office space what happens with fl- empty floors does commercial real estate like the prices decrease I would assume so do they become apartment buildings in half yeah like I guess you could do that but I don't think any of those buildings are set up not at all to have like they're not set up for apartments at all no I don't think the changing of them would be too... It'd be hard to change because people yeah. are still working there. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be really interesting. Like, my sister's in urban studies, and if you're an urban planner at this point, mm. this has changed a lot. Mm. Like, you talk about commercial real estate, you talk about, like, the importance of green space during this time, and even just the importance of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even take in, like, consideration, like the way they're going to be building houses now like people are going to make sure that they have like a nice office space in their house because like true know, the home home office market is gr- shooting through the roof like, yeah it must be like we got we got a bunch of money to spend on our home office like everyone everyone at the bank did mm-hmm. and like I know a lot of companies are doing the same so where, where is it that you're working about? back off no, I'm serious <laughs> I work at the bank of Canada nice yeah and uh, so they gave $500 to have everyone in the company to spend on whatever whatever you need for your office makes sense like that it definitely affects your productivity yeah. like right now i'm working in kind of an open room with like just a sofa chair that we have in our house mm-hmm. and like there are days where like my neck is just like mm-hmm. getting sore and i'm like i don't want to be here yeah like, for sure and like for me like at work i have two big screens like if I'm working from home and I didn't I didn't buy like a decent sized screen, I'm working off like a twelve inch laptop. Yeah, like, it's not enough room on it. Not enough room to actually do like my job, you know. So like people need 
functioning. Amazon, Amazon did the same thing. They spent. A, they gave each employee a thousand dollars to set up their own home office. Whoever was working from home. Yep. A lot of companies are doing that. I'm not sure how many employees they have though. Amazon's got a fuck ton. Yeah. Oh yeah. But are most of them? Yeah, true. It would have thousands. Of no, they, have, they have a ton. Because of they have so many different divisions. It's the biggest, yeah. like, yeah, 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 one yeah. of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. I was just thinking about how they've automated a lot of their supply chain, but that's kind of a, a rel- not irrelevant, but yeah. that's only a small part but of like, what they I do. But like, I see, I see job postings for Amazon like every day. Really. Like in different sectors, like all over the place, they're hiring everywhere. So I got a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. If you were to start university over again. Yeah. Would you go more into, like, I know you're looking at it for a little bit, Marcus, but, like, computer science combined with business? Yeah. Just because how important coding and understanding computers and stuff like that is nowadays? Or would you? Well, it is interesting because you look at a lot of different programs in university, and a lot of them do have coding classes. But then you go to business, other than business technology management, if that's your major, you are not doing any coding. Nothing. Which is kind of ridiculous. It's, it's, it's becoming a bit like reading. Like you should be able to know how to code a little even bit. Even geography, sure. geography. You think that there's no coding? It's a lot of coding really? because of mapping technologies. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like, computer science uh, has a lot of it. Engineering has a lot. Um, finance has a lot now. Like I'm looking at all these finance jobs, and half of them now are expecting you to either know Python or MATLAB or uh, any of these other. And in your finance classes, did you no, have any coding? No, I never heard of it. A, never touched I it. I never heard of Python from our coding. Like well, I know, I I know what it is, but I never was interested in learning it because I was like, oh, you know, I'm in finance. I'm probably not going to need this. And then now it's like all these jobs that I'm looking at are like you need like experience and I feel like our I can't speak for business degrees in general but I feel like our business degree was outdated or is outdated now in some ways but I wonder if all degrees are like that I feel like most are though like the like, second it's over I've been talking with so one much. of my friends and we've been saying to be honest like business degrees might be one of the easiest degrees to get that's what I was saying last night actually I was saying that you even now, like, like if you think about it, like you can go to a business. You could not show up to an entire semester of classes in business school. Just learn it on your own from powerpoints, not put in any work whatsoever, and pass and get a degree. Where you have these other programs, like some arts programs or engineering programs, where the attendance is mandatory, your participation is mandatory, and you actually have to focus and like participate. Yeah, like they have like, seminars, they have stuff seminars like that, and stuff like that. Like I find I would find that harder than what what we did. I like, would prefer if, if if degrees in general were a little bit more difficult. Just to lower the amount of like reduce the amount of people going through it. But that's and but make that's it why make it more valuable again. But that's why now like the But you do like, want you, people to be educated. Yes. But now you have like now if you want to get further along in the workforce you need other masters or you need your designation. Like Yeah. And ev- like everyone has a degree nowadays. You know, like and but not everyone should have a degree. Exactly. University is not right for everyone. We exactly. just need more educational options. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about this yesterday, Christian and I. Maybe the way to go is niche academies mm-hmm. with certain professions, where yeah. it's very specialized. But the thing is, for that, you really need to know what you want to do. That's what I was gonna say. You might have kids that come out of high school and be like, "This is what I want to do," and they get in first year and they spend all this money. You need more in this niche area and then they're like well 
shit, I don't want to do this. Like, this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. And they waste all that time and money, and nothing transfers to... No, well, you couldn't go straight. You need, I think, for, for if... So, for, let's get a little bit more specific. So, like, for... You were speaking specifically about niche academies. What was it for again yesterday? Uh, I was saying, at some point, it, I think it would be cool to set up, like, a sports agent. A sports agent. Mm-hmm. Academy. Niche academy. I think that'd be great. And I think, like... Well, what you were saying yesterday about the niche academies that could go really well is the fact that once a student becomes enrolled in a niche academy, if they get more real practical learning done there than they would at university, and those students become more valuable to companies, that could reduce over time the relevancy of degrees because the company doesn't, the company will hire whoever's better. And if more people that are better are produced from niche academies. Depends though, because you, you can look at, depends on what type of company you're looking at. Because I know a lot of companies like, you could you could be the smartest person and like have like all this background knowledge of in for my case it's finance right so like you could have like learn all this stuff on your own never go to school and you could be way better at finance than someone who went to university for finance but they're gonna hire the person with the finance degree a hundred percent because because that's the way that is the way it is but I, I i'm not saying that it'll switch overnight but i do think if there was if it if like if something like that niche academy for sports agents became it would have to become credible over time yeah and see my way for that i think what you'd have to do is you'd have to have a relevant sports agency professional professional sports agency be like the one offering it offering 100 percent. i think that's the only way that that works and i also think a huge factor in this and like what we were talking about because you mentioned earlier zach people coming out of high school not really knowing what they're doing and going into one of these academies well that's what we'll call Mm -hmm. them i think to do it you need some couple years of somewhat relevant work experience beforehand yeah i agree it yeah maybe the program is a co-op program to start like one or two years of just internships, internships. like you said then you take some more classes mm-hmm. and figure out what you want to do and then you go into yeah. like this niche yeah. academy oh so my going off in a bit of a tangent but then I, that's that's pretty much a master's program if yeah. you think about it yeah, it is yeah. but you could combine that and perhaps these like I think the thing about these academies is that they should be more open in terms of prerequisites. Like, there's different... Because with, with a master's program, essentially, you need an undergraduate degree. That's yeah. kind of it. With well, an academy... You need good, decent grades. And decent grades, yeah. Yeah, like, you need to have an undergraduate degree as the minimum. Yeah. And, and, but with these, um, like, hypothetical academies that we're talking about, it'd be interesting if there was, like, six different boxes and you'd have to take at least three of them. So like one or two years of relevant work experience, um, a two-year college degree, um, an undergraduate degree, and like if you've done any any one of those things, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then I guess you, it, it all depends on the application process. Exactly. It, the application process does dictate the talent or yeah, the type exactly. of people that yeah. are trying to apply to get in and the people that are accepted like if a if a program is very niche like sports agents and there is some background knowledge that is required via a college degree or some relevant work experience you're not going to get hundreds of thousands of people applying you know what i mean yeah but at the same time you could say colleges they have niche programs they do but but do they have the reputation that Let's say if it's you want to go into fashion, 
does like uh, a Gucci or uh, a big fashion brand, like maybe even Gap, like mm-hmm. do, does Algonquin College have the same reputation as those when it comes to knowing what happens in the fashion industry? Mm-hmm. I guess that comes down to really who does the college have teaching the course? Are they a relevant person in the industry? Yeah. Almost. Part of the reason why I think these niche academies can, can work, and I mentioned this yesterday, is that because it would be offered by an already reputable source in that industry, the yeah. connections within that industry will be easier to make and also stronger mm-hmm. between students and uh, like different businesses and different people in yeah. that industry. It's just, you essentially need different professionals from within different industries who are intrigued in passing on knowledge and then allowing them that'd be interesting is like trying to set up academies for different niche markets you find players like major players within the industry who've reached a point in their career where they're looking more to pass on knowledge yeah and set up a, a sort of a bit of a an academy like a mentorship program exactly. almost that's what it is really yeah yeah but I, for that to work, you need to make sure that you're not following the same system as university because it is very cause, similar. Because universities are technically doing that now. Like half, <laughs> half of my profs that I had in school yeah. weren't actually it's true. Like full-time. full-time profs. They were just working in the industry and they just want to pass on knowledge and they were getting paid to do it. For, for sure. Like, but then you look at the way the university is set up with these massive classroom mm-hmm. sizes. Mm-hmm. Even 60 people, which is a small class yeah. in university... That's way too many people. You yeah. want to be in a group of, I'd say, like 10 to 20. Yeah. Large classroom sizes and also the, well, one where we were talking about how it feels a little bit outdated earlier and the breadth of classes that you require to take Yeah. that do feel like, we were talking class about how to write and f- structure emails. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Like, what the hell? Comp 205, <laughs> business communication. Yeah, like, why are we learning this? Like, like maybe that could be a one day. We could spend one day just because maybe someone's never written an email before. You know what I mean? Yeah. But not a whole... Not a whole semester. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I just feel like these academies would be more versatile and able to keep up with the times a little bit better because the university is such a huge institution. It's also a so public institution, most of them. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, you went to school in the States. Yeah. Was it a public or private school? It was public. Okay, so did you notice, like, a lot of the same issues... Oh, at New Orleans and 100%, Concordia, hundred percent. And if you look at the private universities, you can they can get way more specialized. The people who are within them, you know, like and their programs are way more specialized. And that's just because the amount of money that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, the the public schools have way less funding um, compared to these private universities. Like for example, in New Orleans, the biggest private school is Tulane University, and literally everyone who goes to that school isn't from Louisiana. They're from New York, they're from Texas, and they're from Alabama. And they're all the super rich families from all three of those states. And California, I guess. But, and those, all those programs are super specialized. Like, we had, they have the best architecture school in the U.S. at Tulane. And I had a friend who was in that program, and now he's got a job working in New York, like, top, one of the top firms, and no problem. But, like, they don't offer programs like that at any other state university. Mm-hmm. For sure. It is interesting, though, no matter how good the institution is, you still need, like you said, you need it to be challenging and for the students to hold themselves accountable. 
which in university right now there's a lot of freedom which yes you can learn a lot with freedom yeah but that i don't think they've hit the right balance of freedom and accountability mm-hmm. in university because like you said you can skip all the classes in a business degree. in the in a business degree and still yeah be able to get a degree so my question to you guys is then how do you guys feel about CJEPs? Because I found, anyways, in my university experience, the kids who all went to CJEP are way more disciplined um, in the classroom because they got all their partying out of their way in CJEP, a lot of it. They've already kind of found their path from the way that they want to go, like, degree-wise, because they've taken classes in a bunch of different things mm-hmm. at a university level. Um, and I feel like they're just more focused. I hundred percent think degree. it's great. Yeah, I think any. I think it's for. I would say, from my personal experience, for like seventy percent of students coming out of high school, great idea to take a year to do something else. Maybe even two. Because mm-hmm. when you're 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 finishing high school at eighteen years old, you spent two years. Some people even younger. I was seven. Seven. I was seventeen too. My first year university. Yeah. So I, I feel like coming, like, you've been a human being that has the capability to make their own decisions for a year or two. You know what I mean? Like, you've been, that's not a lot of time to make your own decisions. No. And you haven't even been making your own decisions. No, you, yeah, for most you're people. being influenced by... Yeah, that's what I found around. with my school. My school comes from a very educated area with, like, very affluent, and there are a lot of pressures to go into university yes. right away. And not everyone should be but there's just this kind of stigma i remember when people said that like they're going to algonquin college like yeah they they were a bit embarrassed yeah to say which is bullshit they're going to algonquin college when it's one of the best colleges in in canada Mm -hmm. and you come out of that with like great experience and for what you want to go into it's the right thing to do yeah for some people um and I, I guess there's just this Well, I think stigma. university is almost, for a lot of people, it's, it's, the, it's the path of least resistance coming out of high school. And I think because of that, a lot of people go into it without a proper understanding of what they want. And they waste a lot of their time and money figuring that out when it could be used in a more productive way. And then, and then go to university with a little bit, like what you're talking about with the guys from ZJet. Mm-hmm. Or some guys I met in Australia, they worked for a couple of years, two, three years. were making decent money. And then we're like, in, in, in random industries and stuff that wasn't some, so much up their alley, but they got a, a bit of an understanding of the world. And it gave them some time to figure out what it is that they do like. For sure. And you develop a wide range of skills by doing that. Just because yeah. you're having so many different experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, like, it's a shame that education ends, like, at least secondary, like, high school ends so early. Like, it, it mm-hmm. really, like you're still a kid yeah yeah i'm 20 and i still feel like a kid for sure i guess and even still if you do know what you want to do it's just more time to prepare yeah yeah it's true so my thing is is for your academies that you're talking about should you have it like so that the people should be around the age of like 22 23 yeah i think you would end up being a little bit older like i feel like that's like would be the ideal age that you'd want people coming into the programs Mm -hmm. i think if you're I think you should have to write, like, you should definitely have to write an essay or something like that to get into these academies. 
that way but you do younger, have to do that for university, university but how much does it how much weight does it actually have did you guys have to do that at jmsb not at jmsb but other universities, other universities. Okay. and i think it's those essays for a lot of universities are just used for like those last few spots where there's kids with the same average, same grades, mm -hmm. how do you decide which one gets yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. Because they're not reading everyone's fucking. There's no way. They get too many applications. Yeah, you're right. But they should be. Like, schools, they do, some of them do say, like, oh, we put a lot of weight on the, pe like, personal statement of experience. But how much do they actually yeah. put onto it? If you're telling me, like, it's way easier for a school just to accept someone who has a 96 average yeah. than to accept the person who has, let's say, even a 78 average, average. but has done exceptional X, Y, and Z extracurriculars, has been on these sports teams, was mm -hmm. part of this drama production, mm -hmm. does this in their spare time. It's just the easy decision for these universities to make and, yeah. I guess, institutions. Do you think it's different in the workforce? I was about to say, how do you think all this translates to the workforce? What do you mean by that? Like, like students coming in like right away from high school, students taking time off of high school. Well, I think the kids who took time off and, like, figured out what they want are more focused and know exactly the direction that they want to go. Where, like, a lot of us get out of university, and we, like, I've had my job since I got out of university, and I still don't know the path that I want to take. To my career. So you know do you I mean? think those students who've taken time to figure out what they want more are actual potentially better hires for those companies? Probably. Because they're more focused and they want to, they already know that they want to be in that industry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or in that field. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe just have, like, they might be, their longevity with that company might be longer than, yeah. per se, someone who just came out, they're getting their first, like, big, big boy job, you know? They're also just older. They, they have more life experiences. Yeah, I think that does make a difference in the yeah. workforce. Like, being able to understand different, even interactions with mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. can make a difference in how you perform at your job. Especially, especially at a younger age. Like, we have, between the three of us here, Zach's 24, I'm 23, and you're 20. Yeah. And, like, to be, when we hang out on a regular basis, don't really notice that age difference. No, but and it's not really like a factor when we when we interact with each other, but it still is you know three or four years at our time, at our age. Yeah, it just it does make a difference, not necessarily in how we act with each other, but just in in building who we are. Yeah, the way that you think. Exactly, and like three years is it's a decent amount of time. Like three years for me is almost a quarter of my life, if you think about it. Yeah, it's two years away from a quarter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you think about it, four years ago, when I was twenty, I just moved to Montreal. Yeah. Like. Like so much like has happened. One year, like so much has happened. Yeah. You know, like that's crazy to think about. I was thinking about this earlier today. Is there a formula to success, or is it all personalized? I think there's a formula if you speak in general terms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can be very vague, and and general. Like there's there's definitely some. And when I say formula, it's not like a math formula where two plus two equals four every time. It's more like hard X work plus and a plan will equal something around here. And yeah. there's like equations that are more right and less right. You know what I mean? 
But do you think that it's, do you think some of those, like, let's say equations, formulas are more effective for certain people and like, there's like different formulas for other people? Of course. But within those formulas, would you say that there are common characteristics? 100%. Do you ever think that, do you ever think that success or like these, uh, but what do you call it's just success? Because you could say, like, people have different views of what their no, success is. You know? I know. Like, I, I know people that, like, they could be in the most mundane job as long as they're making enough money to keep themselves happy. Like, enough money to, like, sustain themselves. Their happiness isn't based on what they're doing for work. Their for sure. Their is based on the people around them and, like, how they're interacting. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it depends on what you're... But do you think... When people are successful, whatever their success is, whatever, however say, they define it, however yeah. they define it, do you think they can ever stumble upon it or just get lucky? Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Why not? For sure. You can get it there anyway, Paul. But, but I think it's it's similar to to luck. You know what I mean? Like you can have luck, but you have to be in the right place in the right time to ha- to get lucky. Like almost like, like you creating have to put your own yourself luck. in that place. Put yourself position. in that position. Yeah. Like you can stumble upon success. But if you haven't built the qualities and the characteristics required to actually do something to continue to sustain that, then it's irrelevant. And you can, but like, it's not like you can't learn them. You know what I mean? Like success is just making mistakes, persevering, fixing them and continuing to move forward in one way, you know, in like one sense, it's... Mm Because it's success, it's not like you reach it and then it's like, oh, I can sit down and chill now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to keep working for it and the environment keeps changing and so you have to ch- change what you're doing. How much do you think failure really affects success? Hugely. In different ways. If you've never failed at something, how are you Can you even learn? succeed without failing? No, do you no, think? No. Failing, requ- failing and success are like two parts of the same coin. And you need to learn how to take some risks. Taking a risk is like flipping the coin. You might drop it. You might not know what you get, but... Or you might get the risk or the failure side, right? But if you don't take a risk, then you can't really succeed at something. I think that... Because succeeding implies that you might not, right? For sure. Like if you're going to try to do something. Yeah. I think that what we were talking about with having those extra years of experience part of that is like even in your daily life you go through failures mm-hmm. and like that three years is just like an extra three years not extra three years of failure but like learning how to learning overcome challenges learning opportunities learning experiences opportunities and experiences sure because <laughs> you might not learn from them yeah like you could have an extra three years and be completely behind somebody three years behind you if you haven't learned from them like every day there's learning opportunities because yeah. You make mistakes every day. Like some days I don't get out of bed early enough and I fucked up my day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even in Montreal, I met this guy who worked with athletes and I asked him like if I could meet with him to talk about an idea. Mm -hmm. And I met with him and he was expecting that I had like all this stuff done, like a business plan, all that. While it was just like an idea and I kind of wanted to pick his brain. Yeah. He kind of, he didn't rip apart the idea, but like, he was just like kind of like dissecting it yeah. and that was a huge even though like I didn't come out with like what I expected it was a huge learning experience did it hit me. the ego a little bit or no 
in the moment? Maybe not. I would say that it, it didn't hit the ego, but yeah. it made me realize, okay, if you, like, if you get opportunities like this, you need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't 100%. go in just, like, with a half-baked idea. No. For, for sure. And for me, That's my the issue. way that that was for me was interviews. So, like, I've, since being at the bank, like, I've applied for a bunch of other jobs, right? And, like, each time you just, like, learn from the interview, mm-hmm. understand the different types of questions they can ask you. So now, like, I go into an interview and I, I have, like, I've written out, like, my answers for, like, all these random questions that they could ask me. And, like, you, you have it on your top of your head. You're not yeah. thinking, um, um, um oh, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, okay, now. Like, you know, you already have it there. And, like, that... Interviewing is a skill. I love doing interviews. Yeah? I hated them I at love the beginning. Yeah. I hated them. Because I'm just That's not fair. great of a talker. Yeah. But, like, now I've just, like, from learning and doing and probably not doing that well in a couple, you know, you just yeah, get better at them, you know? I always thought that, like, for interviews, you just want to, like be as authentic and kind of off the top of your head but it's so much better when you are prepared with those mm-hmm. notes and they really don't mind if you have those notes no. like it, no. it shows that you you took initiative and took initiative to do research and and to prepare yeah a great, a great tip for you guys as well that i've been given is I, I, when you have like if you show up to an interview with a notebook or not whatever i will bring a notebook actually yeah and I have a couple questions one. written down for them at the end of the interview yeah for 100%, sure. Yeah. I remember I always do the same thing. It makes a big difference. The first real interview I had for a, a proper job was with MLSE, mm-hmm. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and I was extremely nervous just to start off because it's MLSE. If you want to get into sports, like they're the, one of the biggest sports organizations in Canada, with the Maple Leafs and the Raptors, mm-hmm. TFC, Argonauts, and. I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm already pretty nervous and I'm not a sweaty guy but I was really sweating like I could feel it on my chest and I'm just waiting in the lobby and Brendan Shanahan walks right by me the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey legend and I was like holy shit like this is the real deal like I this is important and then I kept on like getting more and more nervous Mm -hmm. for it and then when I went in it just wasn't a natural interview. Yeah. It wasn't a natural conversation that you want just because I was so nervous. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a note sheet. I did yeah. have like some questions written down yeah. to ask them in a notepad, but I just wasn't ready for yeah. what was to come. And there's so much that like people can tell you what interviews are like, but once you experience them, it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, people would give you tips like oh if they want to ask you about like your weakness like maybe like try to spin it into a strength like stuff like that or just they do say make it a conversation but you don't know how to do that until you've kind of failed in doing it and for me my experience with interviews recently is they're all so technical they're asking they're asking a ton of technical questions so if you haven't actually done a ton of research on what your like that position is and like what the actual like technical side is like you are gonna have no idea yeah you can and you're gonna have no answer for that do you think it's fine yeah when in these interviews that you've had zach do you ever just say i haven't come across that do you ever just yeah put it out there the last interview i had they asked like have you ever had a situation where you've had to make a decision um on like it was something technical and like i can't say what it is um without um, approval from somebody 
well, in my situation, I'm like, we are not allowed to make those decisions without approval. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, um, I've never had the ability to make those decisions. I've brought my, um, my opinions forward to the people that are making those decisions and then the decisions get made. And what type of reaction do you get when you just say, I... So you don't really get, like, the type of interviews that I've been in, you don't really get reactions. They're like, okay, thank you, like, for your response. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like... They're not actually the conversations, more or less. It's like... If I was... They're asking a question, I'm giving my response back, and then they'll like maybe okay thank you like or whatever and then they move on to the next question if i was interviewing someone i would probably appreciate more them saying i don't know or i haven't experienced yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. than them trying to bullshit so it also shows that they can learn if, if they like if they don't it's better if someone you're who you've hired comes to you if they have a question than trying to like do it wrong mm-hmm. yeah i agree because it's a waste shows. of time exactly. for people for the person who doesn't know how to do it as well as the people giving the task out. I have a, uh, a bit of a question for you guys. What would you guys say is your, your biggest weakness? Right now, it's just... I'd, I'd say I'm naive. Naive? Okay. Think about that. That's a good... Haven't experienced answer. enough to, like... Yeah. To know everything, which yeah. is fair. And I, I'll probably always be like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I hope that That's I'm in a position answer. where I'm always That's naive. That's a good answer, dude. That is a great Just answer. because, like... If you're if you're in a position where you know everything, you're not challenging yourself. Mm-hmm. And also, you're probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're in a position where you think you know everything, and you're not yeah. around the right people, then at our age, yeah, yeah. Like it's that quote: "You want to be the dumbest person in the room." I yeah, think. Yeah. Whatever the dumbest is, but yeah. I like it. What's yours, Christian? Need a second thing. Mine is um. And do you mean like in the workplace or like do you mean just like in general? Mine, mine's more general. Okay. So I guess however you want to take it, okay. but it also applies. Because like, we were just talking about interviews, apply, so I was yeah. thinking like, what my response would this be. This would be my, something like this would be my response. Okay. But it, it's essentially I was, I was doing like a personality quiz the other day, and I actually got some insight from it, which was nice. And it was essentially that. It wasn't one of those personality tests. I was like. Oh, you would be this type of dog. No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what kind of vegetable you are? <laughs> um, no, essentially, I am too relaxed and a little bit too just confident in things working out, and so I'll let things play out and not necessarily put enough effort into ensuring that things go as I want them to. Would you say that's being too optimistic? A little bit, a little bit too optimistic, a little bit too relaxed, and it's it it can be work it can work out positively as well because I don't get very stressed. Um, that easily. But, the negative side, I, as I felt it before, is like I walk into an interview, not being that prepared, just because I'm like, oh, you know, it'll be fine, or. Just won't be as organized. See, like, honestly, after hearing you say that, I feel like I'm the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm always, like, trying to make sure that everything works out perfectly, even in work, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, ten different things on the go with other people, like, I'm making sure everything's, like, almost, like, micromanaging too much. Mm-hmm. I can I see that. Like, that's probably of mine. Yeah. Um, it's probably why we clash. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> why we clash. Um, but, yeah, I'd say, like, maybe I just micromanage a bit too much. Um, it's, like, a 
one big weakness for me, I think. Um, I'm always trying to, like, plan shit. Mm -hmm. I don't just, like, go with the flow. See, that's the nice thing about our, like, our weaknesses both have... Pros. They're upsides. Yeah. Exactly. And it's interesting that, like, maybe the way that you are, like, that, being more planned and having a friend that is someone that mm-hmm. isn't yeah, as planned. Me out. Yeah, it, like, you guys balance each other out. Mm-hmm. You're going to bicker a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it is interesting <laughs> that people, like, your friends can just, like, you just somehow stumble into them and they're just, like, such a good fit yeah. for you. Yeah. You can just, Taking like... Taking the only reason why we're friends realistically was we got paired together in our first class for a group project for a group project yeah and then Zach messaged me he's like hey do you want to hang out I'm like it's kind of weird but okay <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any friends <laughs> yeah I just thought he was a cool guy and yeah. I was chatting with we were talking about sports no and it was good it was and good. I was like fuck like, I think you told me you played golf yeah it's interesting how the way you make friends is so different now than it was making friends in like high school and elementary school because mm-hmm. if you think about it those friends are based off of ge- geographic region right mm-hmm. but i said that Still i think is, that's though. what it is now though for me like i feel like university had changed that and then now it's like reverting back to that where now i'm only meeting friends through other friends mm-hmm. i'm not like meeting like new people nowadays i'm all over the world yeah you know what i mean like i'm just meeting like friends of friends now that are becoming my friends i know Whereas, like in university though. it was like you're meeting, like, random people and making friends. There's a larger variety. What I'm saying is, like, you're kind of meeting people based off of passion, passions and interests a bit more mm. now. That's what you're saying. And personalities, while, like, when you're in high school and elementary school, you're kind of stuck with the same group of people. Yeah. For, like, the entire, like, yeah, some, for some people, from. 12 years. For sure, yeah. It's crazy. And depends on where you're from. Because if you're in a big city, it's probably easier to make friends with other people outside of your school. Other high schools. Other high schools, other whatever, sports teams. Where if you're in a small town, like, you're at that one high school. Yeah. That's your friend group, or you're not going to have any friends. One of the things that I found with the university is I found it very exhausting meeting people and making friends. Mm. Because when... You're in high school and elementary school because you're around the same people all the time. You're really excited to meet someone new. Mm-hmm. But then when you go off to university, you're literally meeting someone new every single day, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. Yeah, I know what you mean. I kind of love that, to be I honest. Was say, I how do you find that exhausting? You love it. <laughs> well, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Like, I remember. And a lot of people think that I'm a very outgoing guy that mm-hmm. will go up and talk to anyone. But I still feel still like. You need your time to yourself. Exactly. Like, yeah. I felt that very similarly when I moved to Australia for the first time. Um, well, I've only been there once. So. <laughs> the moved, only time? The only time I've moved to Australia. And I just, it felt to me like I'd moved around a lot in the last four or five years. And I've had to go to a bunch of different places. Like, I guess it would be like, you know, Concordia, when I went to Germany, and uh, when I went to work at Lumina. So each time I had to kind of get there without knowing anybody to each of those places. It's like when I went to Concordia, I didn't know anybody before I went there. And then build a community of people and, like, become part of a community of people. 
and that requires a lot of work and when I first got to Australia that task felt so daunting I was like oh my god I've got to get to know a bunch of people which is going to take like it takes a couple months for sure and that's not even that's just like the surface for sure it takes time to like become friends I would say it takes a couple weeks but to really get to know someone it takes about I would say four months at least especially though like it's different like to become friends with people when you're when you're moving to somewhere where everybody's already got a routine and and habits it's like you're not part of anybody's routine you're not part of anybody's like you know day to day or week to week so it's like you've got to integrate yourself into that did you have that in mind before you went off to Australia deciding that you would be there for I, so I didn't decide I would be there for a year before I left okay. that was just an option that I'd allowed myself so I hadn't applied for the second semester I hadn't ex- had my full year visa I had a six month visa and a one semester well, I had one semester planned and then applied halfway through for the second one but do you guys like for me, anyways, like I, I was always scared of doing the move, and like having to integrate myself in new friend groups and stuff. Like I've lived in New Orleans, Montreal, and then Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So those three were big changes for me. Ottawa wasn't as bad, but the other ones I didn't know anybody, and like I was always super scared of it beforehand. And then once I was there doing it, I loved it. I like liked meeting the new people. I was not great at it, but I liked doing it and like meeting new people like when I first moved to Ottawa with Miles we didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. like at all it's a lot easier when you have when you're going up to people in a pair rather than by yourself when I was in New Orleans like I didn't know anybody yeah when I came to Montreal I didn't know anybody and you you just like you get used to making friends you have to like for example like I messaged Christian because I met him in class I thought he was a cool guy I was like you know what gonna see if this guy wants to go have a beer I agree with you I think part of the reason that why I felt so like daunted by the task in Australia was because I knew I was leaving again yeah and it was like I'm gonna put in all this effort and time to make these like good relationships just to leave and like maybe never see them again do you think you go in with the same mindset when you're trying to make a move on a girl um I need to think about that yeah, for a second I need to <laughs> No, I don't think so. No. no. It depends, actually. Because it is a daunting task. It's a daunting task. It can't be. And I think even for the most confident guys, I, like, I guess it's, it's practice. Yeah. I think it's also... It depends. It depends on what you want out of that specific interaction with the girl. Like, if, you, if you're just going up to talk to a girl... <laughs> and it also depends what you want. Like, if you want a relationship... <laughs> If you want, if you're if you're looking for a relationship properly, then I think yeah, interacting with a bunch of different girls can be kind of daunting because it's like building, uh, getting, creating a relationship with somebody is a lot of work. Even if it starts to go well, it's like, you know. But if if you don't really care what happens, like if you, I was, if I'm really going enough to talk to somebody randomly at the bar, in my head, I'll give myself the perspective that it's completely irrelevant, no matter what happens. And like best case, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. The the worst case is that I just have to walk away in thirty seconds and laugh about it later. <laughs> you know. How would yeah. What about you? How do you? Do you feel like it's it's a daunting? I always find that like, it is daunting. But then once I do, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's always that. There's like that barrier a little bit beforehand, but once you start jumping over it, it's fine. You start thinking about it a lot, and then once you start getting in your head, that makes it way tougher. Mm-hmm. You want it to almost be one of those situations where right away you're just like, fuck it. Yeah, dude. I'm doing this. Yeah. And then you go and do it, and then after you're like, I took a risk. Yeah, exactly. Success. It goes back to what we were talking about. Yeah, 100%. Like, and and when you do take those risks, even if it doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's a learning opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. But... And the failure is not too bad. But it's just something about this, like, when there's a romantic, uh, I'd say, motivation... It makes it so much tougher. It's more, yeah. Like people get way more fearful and way more nervous. Oh yeah, yeah. And maybe it's because of because you're being vulnerable. That's, that's the, part of that's it. The whole point. You're also yeah. you're also when you're going up to somebody. Let's say like the average person going up to somebody in a romantic situation. There's also a lot more complexity behind what you're offering up, versus going for a job interview. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. There's there's some more sensitivity in you that like Zach said some more vulnerability like you're offering up a little bit more part of yourself that can get hurt. It's also like you're like it can be like you, you, you can down. be self conscious about like the way you look, so you could be walking up to someone and like you're worried about like the way that they perceive you and look wise, not even just by what you're saying. There's like a job interview. It's like they're not worried about like what you look like. It's about what you're telling them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's that extra aspect. Yeah. I, I agree with the vulnerability Definitely. idea that you just threw out there. I think vulnerability, I used to think this, I told this to Zach before, but I think vulnerability is a, is a decent part of love in terms of makeup. It's a, it makes up love in, in one way. Because when you're vulnerable with somebody, like properly vulnerable, and they're like, okay, I still like you. It feels really good. You know what I mean? Not to have someone be like, fucking leave yeah. <laughs> yeah and reject you so, so you that's closer. so you be, exactly become closer to them and like and that's the same thing with friendship though too it doesn't even have to be romantically it's true like it's if you open up if you open up with your friends about certain situations that you've had in your life that mm-hmm. you've struggled with and then they they like comfort you or like relate to you and like they understand they you understand better. you better then you're gonna be closer with those people than you are with people that you haven't opened up with yeah do you think that before there was a very big idea that it had to be the, the male who makes, who makes the move? Yeah. Do you think that's still a thing? Yeah. I think people won't say it, but I think it's still a thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. But if, I'm not saying girls don't, but I'm still saying that's like... Like when you think of masculinity, though, like... I could be wrong. Like men are taught not to be vulnerable, right? Sure. When it comes to masculinity... At least we were taught that, I'd say. Yeah. That's what we grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just interesting that, like, we're taught to not be vulnerable, but to then pursue a uh, romantic and uh, friendship, a romantic relationship and a... Uh, Which are vulnerable activities? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's just, like, kind of counterproductive. <laughs> or not productive, but... Like, counterintuitive? Counterintuitive. It, all these things are just so complex that like there's so many things that factor in yeah that I guess you can't pinpoint it to just one thing pinpoint what like the reason why you 
Like, why don't you? go and make the move on the girl. Mm-hmm. Or the reason why you don't go and ask that guy you met in a class mm-hmm. to go for a drink. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that are... So many variables. Yeah. Which so, kind of is interesting that, like, all these variables, like, come into play just for these moments to happen. Something I've learned... I remember hearing recently, and I couldn't tell you, to be honest, who said it, but it was something... Oh, actually, it was Michael Jordan, or I think it was. Could be wrong. Um, but essentially not carrying your past forward with you. So, in, like, being vulnerable let's say with somebody like asking somebody out for a drink just because you've been rejected before doesn't mean you need to go into it expecting that you will again and that's something that majority of people do it's like and it's so hard not to carry your past forward but if you can you know if you can see like there's been there's been times this is going to sound weird as fuck but it doesn't matter there's been times where I've just literally been like looked in the mirror at myself and I've been like okay like this is this is your body and like, I'm just gonna move forward from this moment with a com- try to as much as I possibly can with a completely open perspective. Like, I can do whatever I want going forward from here. And I can try and like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. move forward as, you know. Yeah. This is yeah. who you are. Exactly. And just like, try and like, almost start, like, this is day one. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Just trying to live in the present. Yeah, exactly. And control what you can control in mm-hmm. I would say one of my biggest weaknesses is that I don't live in the present where do you, where do you live? The fu- <laughs> <laughs> I live in the future <laughs> I'm a time traveler <laughs> no and I would say that like <laughs> that's so good <laughs> I do focus on like what's ahead mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and like you said, that weakness can have its pros, but it also has its cons. Mm-hmm. So what would you say some of the cons are? Not appreciating the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, that that's the biggest one I would say, and not capitalizing on moments. So I have a question for you. How far ahead do you look when you like think, when you say you live in the future, how far ahead? A couple of weeks? Months? I would years? say it's a time. It's an, it's an, you have an idea? It's an idea of what I want to be. So are you all, that's, I think that's a, I think that's a very positive thing too though. No, there, cause it's, it's setting goals for sure. Yeah. But there is the con of like, and not being present in the moment. But does it continue on? Like what you've looked, have your outlook for what you want to be when you're however old, you know, when you get to that point, are you still looking way further ahead and not enjoying that moment too I'd hope so do you know what I mean though but like you'd hope so what that you would enjoy it once you feel like that you've reached or that you keep looking ahead I think that's what you were saying I I would say both I think you want like if you could have a perfect world you'd be focusing on the present and still having the future in mind yeah I would agree with that so how are you looking at the future now like what's your what is mine yeah it's Right now, I, I do have this idea of, like, I want to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think of an image of success in my head, but it's hard to put words to what that success actually is. Do you ever think about where that idea comes from for you? Like, what that motivated idea? it? No. 
like when you say you have an image of success in your head do you ever think about other people why you you have you have that image in your head or like what does that make sense to you that question or am I like what has what has like created that image almost like what yeah what has inspired me to think Mm -hmm. that way Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure I just assume that it's part of like my upbringing and like Mm -hmm. with like family interactions and Mm -hmm. and looking at other people and Mm -hmm. seeing qualities in them that I admire and wanting to be like them which is interesting that you say that too because you and your brother are very different on the way that you guys look at things right yeah everyone says that we are the same person but we we do have a lot of similarities similar likes I'd say and similar and like mannerisms and uh the way that we interact with people but we take different approaches with the way mm-hmm. that we interact with people mm-hmm. one person said that like I'm more calculated and he's a bit more free flowing like a bit, bit more of a free spirit yeah I would agree with that. Which I would agree. I don't think... I don't know if Jack would agree. Um, but it is... We do have very different perspectives in how we tackle challenges. Mm-hmm. I find something that you just touched upon with how you sort of have a bit more of a vision for your future is an area that I find harder for myself to sort of see a planned out more concrete future that I want to work towards especially at this point in my life because I feel like right now technically there are a lot of options open to me I'm finding it hard to I'm the same have a direction that I feel comfortable enough and confident enough to move forward with and maybe and I think part of that is also that comes with just not having enough experience in different areas to know what it is that I, I like or don't like. But also that it's not really a big deal at the same time. Because it's it's really just... Like, it is because I may hold myself... I may not strive now towards opportunities or possibilities as strongly as I would if I had more of an idea. But I also feel like that ideas come from random... Not ran, random, but, like, opportunities can come about haphazardly and often do. Yeah. And as long as you're sort of trying to put in a good good hustle just in general in whatever direction's interesting now, at least vaguely. And see, for me, I'm sitting at the point where, like, I feel like my next opportunity that I'm going to get is going to push me into a field that, like, I might be in for the rest of my life, you know? So I don't want to make that wrong decision. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because it feels like, anyways, in where I am, I feel like once you go down a certain path you're so deep into that path that it's the runaway train if you want to if you yeah if you want to divert you have to go backwards to move forwards instead of shifting my instincts you know what I mean but is that my instincts tell me that's wrong and I feel the same way yeah but my and I feel the same way and I see everything behind that but I think I don't actually let me take that back I'm sorry I don't think it's wrong I think because of where we're at in our point in our lives, we see that to be more true than it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with you. It's just for me, I'm look, when you look at job postings and you look for yes. what, where you potentially want to get to, it's like... Well, you're also 24. Yeah. Like, you're, like, you're really, like, starting your career. Yeah. 
So like where I'm looking to go, you see like, oh, you need this much experience doing this, doing this. It's like, okay, well, if I don't make that decision to go that route, whenever I want to do this, if I, let's say I do mm-hmm. want to do this job later, I don't have that five years yeah. experience doing this spe- specifically. Do you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of have, like, I'm at this point where I have to make this decision on which route that I want to go in finance or mm-hmm. my work life. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what direction that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I've loved working for the bank, it's a very niche mm-hmm. area. So these jobs that you've been applying for, yeah, these are kind of jobs that will set you up in a direction. Yeah. So, but I don't know. It, but I don't even know which one that like specifically I want. Like, direction so, but I, I feel like go. you can't know until you do it. Eh? Exactly. Which kind of sucks. It's, it sucks because then you go down a path. <laughs> it does. It does because you go down this path and you, you work there for a year and you're like, well, fuck, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, now, like, where do I go from here? But then that's just one We're of the failures now. that you learn yeah, exactly. from. Exactly. Exactly. And that comes back to be being, you know, willing to take those risks. For sure. Which sucks. Yeah. But I think at this time. Because time is a, it's it's a valuable currency, and it's once you give it at something, it doesn't come back to you. Mm-hmm. So, because we have. At this point in time, I think we actually have more of it in one way, in some ways, than we're willing to allow ourselves, and we we treat it almost more. At this point in our life, at this point in our life, yeah, we we have. Uh, a greater supply of time, obviously, than you know when you're thirty five. And I think we shouldn't be too hesitant to make these commitments. Mm-hmm. And it's actually better to make a commitment sooner rather than later because then at least you can go back if you, do, if you really hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we end it on those words? Yeah, words of wisdom? I, th- I think so. <laughs> okay. I think From so. Christian. Uh... Well, cool. I think we, uh, we, we dove into a lot of different areas there. But oh, I... What would you say your main messages are from this discussion? Um, you can. You want to start? Or? Sure. I'd say the main thing is that um, we talked about a lot risk taking. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everyone says that, and you never can completely become comfortable in the uncomfortable. But it's about striving for it, and even striving for it is a risk. I also think, I'd like to say this, because I guess this is a key takeaway from what you just summarized. So you've just given a brief summary, essentially in a couple sentences of what we've just done. And that was, success requires risk, and becoming as comfortable as you possibly can in the uncomfortable, which is never fully possible, but it's just getting used to that process. And that's what I think I take away from what, what we've just sort of talked about, is that that equation that you asked me about, or that we talked about at the beginning, that formula for success that's somewhat vague, there's a process to that formula. And once you find it in one area of your life, and it can be any, in anything, like even just playing golf, you can translate that formula in, into different things because the process of learning and improving is the same. <laughs> uh, you guys are way more philosophical than me. I'm gonna leave it on that. I think. All right. And uh, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure once again. 
Christian and I are hoping to, to get some more content out. Some bi-weekly? Yeah, hopefully bi-weekly. We're putting it, we're saying it right now to hold ourselves accountable. So We'll shake hands on it right now. Exactly. You can't see it, but we're shaking hands. Um, so hopefully we can provide more entertaining and inspiring conversations for you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode.